today is Sunday, the 6th of, uh, my calendar says September. No, it is October. It's definitely October. And it's 11.25 in the late morning. I made a recording yesterday, but it turned out it was a giant mess, and so I scrapped it, and it was useful to get out, but now I actually have something to talk about as opposed to just, oh, let me get a bunch of stuff out of my head. I mean, I'm going to be getting a bunch of stuff, well, some stuff out of my head, but it will be focused on the subject of depression because one of my brothers yesterday asked if I get depressed and I said yeah definitely um, I don't know how often it happens he asked what it's like and I gave this kind of long-winded explanation of, of trying to detail as best of what it I, I, I can of what it feels like and that was more or less I just start to kind of wonder why even bother with anything? Like, why why am I doing anything? Why try? Who, who cares? And usually the, the resolution, that's not the right word, the, the place that I go to when I am feeling depressed is one of consumption. So instead of producing something, I want to just consume things. And usually things that aren't all that good for me, be it food or um, video games or things. I just kind of want to be a, 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 a lump on a log. I just want to eat Cheetos out of a bag. I want to eat corn dogs and Hot Pockets and sit in front of the computer or in front of my phone and just do nothing for the next all of the hours is, is more or less how I feel. I don't do that. I, I don't do the the food thing, because I have a wife, and I know that that would be greatly upsetting to her. And I also know that from experience, having eaten garbage food, I really feel bad. And if you start eating the garbage food, it starts this really uh, degrading, caustic, maybe is the better word. It, it, it's, it's just a acidic kind of downward spiral of you you are feeling bad emotionally and then you eat some garbage food maybe you go to mcdonald's you know whatever i'm just gonna get a couple mcchickens and just it doesn't even matter and they're only a dollar who freaking cares anyhow then you eat the mcchickens and then you feel really garbagey because it's not good food and an hour later, you're feeling worse, and you're like, oh, yeah, of course a big dummy like me would eat some garbage food because I'm a big dummy. Obvi I mean, that's what a big dummy would do. So, duh, here I am eating garbage food. And it just kind of, well, I guess I should eat some more garbage food because I'm a big dummy. So then you go to the store, and then you buy some uh, some more garbage food, and then you're just like, well, I'm a big dummy, and I'm eating garbage food, and so I'm going to eat some garbage food, and I'm a big dummy, and then, yeah, it just goes and goes and goes. I've been there a number of times, and... My wife and I were talking about ways to deal with depression. And everybody has, well, I don't know about everybody, but I'd imagine many people that have dealt with anxiety or depression, if they've dealt with it at all, they have some strategies for how to get out of it. 
what to do when there are hundreds, if well, definitely hundreds and probably tens if not hundreds of thousands of videos about how to get out of a rut and what to do when you're feeling down and how to be more productive and yada yada yada. I watched half of a video on this very subject yesterday called How to Get Out of a Rut and then there was another one that was called The Toolbox Fallacy and I definitely suffered from the toolbox fallacy for a while. And what the toolbox fallacy is, according to this, I, I, I never heard of that term before. Maybe, maybe it's something that this guy made up. I, I don't know. But there was a YouTube video and he was talking about how years ago, like six years ago, as of the, the making of his video, which I think had come out in the past couple of weeks, he had been making videos and then I don't really know what happened. I guess he just kind of got into a, a, a long-lasting slump where he kept on telling himself, well, I can't make videos because I need a better camera, and then if I get a better camera, I'm going to need better recording software to do stuff with it. And I guess if I don't have a good computer, then I can't get the good recording software, and then obviously I'm going to need some editing software. And so the the idea, according to this fellow, and it sounds like a, a, a legit... I can't talk here. The toolbox fallacy apparently is I can't do X until I have Y. I can't write until I have this particular pen and this kind of paper. Stephen King uses this kind of pen and this kind of paper, so I have to have that too to write like Stephen King. Oh, I can't write until I have this particular typewriter. I can't write until this. I can't write until that. And that is something that hamstrings a lot of people. What does that have to do with depression? Well, for me, writing had been a struggle many, many years. I, I would do it here and there, and I'd jot some things down. I'd write kind of a short story, maybe a page. I mean, it's not. it wasn't even a story. It would be the start of a story. The, the one thing that really helped me get into writing on a regular basis was... I guess it was NaNoWriMo helped a lot. NaNoWriMo was National Novel Writing Month, and that had, takes place at the end of October. At, at, well, it's technically November 1st at, at 12 a.m., and it goes to the very end of November. So it's National Novel Writing Month is, is November, and the whole idea is that you write a 50,000-word novella in the month, and you can do that by writing a minimum of 2,333 words a day. I think if you write that every single day, or a word more, you will hit the 50,000 goal. And so I did that a, a few times, and what I learned from that wasn't that, oh, you should wait until November to write, it's doing something regularly is really, really beneficial. And it's been about a year and a half, maybe coming up on two years now, that I've been writing almost every single day. Way more, definitely more days than not. There are certainly some days that I don't write, but those are in an extreme minority these days. Sometimes I'm, I'm, I only write for 20 minutes, half an hour. Some, sometimes there's been a couple times where it's just 10 minutes because I wake up a little bit later than I would have liked to. I'm a little bit tired, more tired than I would have liked to, but I usually get that writing in. And the reason I make a point to do that is I have learned that I feel drastically better if I write. Now, 
I have this belief that the same is true for everyone, not writing necessarily, but doing something, some kind of putting yourself into the world, whether that be uh, drawing or making a, a little sculpture, even stacking three stones on, on top of each other. Maybe that's your thing. You, you, uh, when you, you go on a walk and you find three, three rocks and you, you just do a little stack and you, and you get a kick out of that. I, I, I don't know. It could be something as simple as that. It could be making a, a nice meal you like that your breakfast every day is this specific thing that you really like to do and, and that is really what sets your day down the right path it could be that you like making your coffee in a particular way it, it doesn't have to be anything major i think that to really walk down that path that you might need to do a little bit more than make just a cup of coffee even if it is a, a fancy cup of, a cup of coffee but producing something that has the potential to last longer than you. What I mean is these books that I'm writing, unless they get destroyed in a fire or something tragic happens, will outlive me, guaranteed. I mean, there's no question in my mind about that, barring some sort of uh, extreme circumstances. But the paper will definitely outlast my skin and bones and, and my hair and all, all that makes up me. And that, I guess on some level, and, and I, I never exactly articulated it before this moment, but that I think feels neat because you, I, us, people, are very limited beings. We're limited in what we can do. We're limited in space. We're limited in our capacity to do a lot of things, but we can reach beyond those limits by doing things that, by producing things, by creating things. The works of, of art that artists have, have made, the, the works of music, the, the movies that people have made, have outlasted all of them, unless they're still alive, of course, but Shakespeare and Mozart, their music lives on. I mean, one of my favorite quotes is from the the the, the show Westworld. It's, I think it's in the final episode, and Anthony Hopkins' character Ford, I forget what his full name is, something Ford, he says that Chopin and Mozart and Beethoven never died, they became their music. I don't know if I'm getting that exactly right, but that's more or less what he says. And as soon as I heard that, I thought that's absolutely 100% accurate. The... The, the books that Stephen King and Neil Gaiman have written, they, have be, they are those books now. Those books are synonymous with them. Those stories are them. And Stephen King has gone way beyond just the books that he's written. I mean, he's in so many pieces of popular culture, so many movies and TV shows. I mean, I, I'm, I don't know how many other authors have as much of their stuff in the world. The only, <clears throat> there's a few things that come to mind that are just laced into pretty much everything across the world. One of them that comes to mind, and this might be the most extreme example of, of anything at all, period, is the Bible. The Bible, at least in Western culture, say from Eastern Russia to California or Hawaii, is just in everything. I mean, 
just pretty much everything that you can think of. I, I, I imagine it's only the Asianic countries and maybe parts of Africa that doesn't have the Bible so much, but Catholicism is huge in South America, Mexico being part of that, all of North America, all of Canada. I mean, even in Russia, they've got the Orthodox Catholic Church there. It's it's just baked into everything. You You cannot go to pretty much any country and find an entire population that is just doesn't know anything about the Bible at all. They're just completely clueless. You, you'd certainly encounter that in a few tribes in the Amazon, but it's just ingrained in so much of the world. Stephen King is a, a much more minor example of that, but the same thing is true there. The Beatles music or a lot of Beethoven's or Mozart music or, or Chopin, uh, uh, Tchaikovsky's music, they're, they're in games, they're in shows, they're in ads, they're just, it's all over the place. And you hear that dun-dun-dun-dun, dun-dun-dun-dun, you're like, oh, that's, that's, shoot, that's Beethoven, right? Yeah, Beethoven. That'll, that, that little opening call it the little melody, those little few notes, you just hear that and you go, oh, I, I recognize that. You might not even know why you recognize it. You might not even know, be able to name the, 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 the composition that it comes from. I can't. I think it's Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, I think. That sounds right. Um, I'm not 100% on that, but I, I'm familiar with it. I've heard it. I'm not just, well, I don't, what are those sounds? I've never heard of it. Um, saying um a lot. I don't like that. So what does this have to do with depression? Well, why did I get on this tangent? Well, I got on this tangent because by producing things, by putting yourself out into the world, by expanding beyond the limitations of what you are, you grow. You grow quite literally as a being. Your being, what you are, is not limited to the space that your skin and bones occupies. You are all of these connections that you've made, all of these tendrils that are reaching out into the world and doing things. You are the the choices that you've made. You are the experiences that you've had and the interactions that you've had with other people and them with you and you're all of those things. So the bigger that you get, the more that you expand yourself, the more that you do, the more of those connections that you make, the bigger that you will start to feel, the more the more alive, the more of, of a thing you will feel, obviously, because you are a bigger thing. And so if you're starting to feel small, it probably means, and this is I'm speaking from personal experience here, it probably means for me that I'm not doing so much. I'm shrinking, I'm I'm withering away. And that's a depressing feeling to just start to fade into non-existence. Of course that's gonna be depressing. You're 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 literally going away. It's like a, a plant that's withering. Which is a, a better plant in terms of health? The one that's growing and vibrant and alive and it's sucking nutrients from the ground, it's being fed and it's and it's growing and its branches are thriving and, and it's soaking up sun and it's producing oxygen and it's 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 a vibrant tree and has birds that come and, and roost in its branches because it's a healthy tree and it's getting watered or the one that's withering away. Well, obviously the one that's healthy. The person that's in the hospital 
who feels better? The guy that's laying there that's got in there and he doesn't know if the surgery is going to go well and he's just, it's it's one thing after another with the complication after complication or the person that's on the mend and they're getting better and they're going to leave later on this afternoon as soon as they get their final checkup. That person's going to feel so much better. Even if they're still kind of sickly, their emotional state is going to be better. I'm leaving the hospital. I'm, I'm feeling better. I'm, I'm getting out of this place. Hey, I'm, the, things are good. So how do you get out of a depressive state if you're in it? Well, you don't. You, you, you don't. And that, that's, that's really the only answer that I have for that. If you are currently in a depressed state right now, that sucks. And it sucks to be you. And there's probably nothing that you can do right now to get out of that. There's no combination of words that I know that will help you get out of this because all of the videos that you'll see, all of the things that you'll hear from people will revolve around you. Well, okay, I can't say all of them, but I'd imagine the vast majority of them will revolve around you doing something to help you get out of the depressive state. The problem is... <clears throat> as you are very well aware, and I'm just preaching to the choir right now if you are in a depressed state, is that when you're in a depressed state, there's nothing that you actually want to do. Someone could say, well, if you're depressed, all you got to do is go and take a shower, and then you, you pat yourself on the back. Maybe not maybe not actually pat yourself on the back, but you, do, you, you give yourself a little reward. No, no, guy. The problem is, is that I don't even want to take a shower. I don't even want to leave bed. The only reason I'm getting up and going to work at all is because I know that if I don't, that I won't have a place to live and then I'll be homeless. And that is just so much worse than where I'm at right now that I'm not willing to go that route. Although some people do. Some people definitely end up going down that route. I see a lot of them living in the Seattle area. Now I can't say that they're all depressed, but I'd be really surprised if all of the homeless people that I see around Seattle are super cheery, just, oh no, I love my life, this is great, I, I've never been in a better spot ever, even when I was a little kid, it just, it was way worse than this, this, I'm in a super great spot, that could be some of the people, it's certainly possible, but I get the impression that a lot of the people that are homeless out here are not doing so great emotionally. There are certainly some of them I can imagine, I can certainly imagine, that some of them are on the path to recovery. They're doing better, they hit a hard patch, they're only homeless right now as they figure things out, they are working a job, maybe their employer and co-workers don't even know that they're homeless. That was the case with me when I was at Starbucks for, for a little while, and I was confronted by my manager and they said, hey, uh, Del, I heard that you just kind of hung out here last night. Are, are, are you homeless? And I denied it at the time because I was embarrassed about it. I said, no, no, I'm not. I just, I, I needed to use the internet, I did, which that was true. I did need to use the internet to, to work on, on something that I was working on. But I, I lied about being homeless and I, well, that was, that was part of my journey at that time to figure out that lying is not good. That was, that was right in the midst of, of that whole path. <clears throat> so, the only advice that I have for somebody that is currently depressed is to come back and listen to what I'm about to say when you're not. 
Now, you can listen to this right now if you want to, and may, maybe, maybe it'll help, but I certainly wouldn't bet money on it. I would not bet on my ability to help you get out of a depressed state. So, what do you do to help combat a depressed state? Well, for me, what I have done that helps is to make a game plan before I ever even get depressed. Because being depressed is like being at war with yourself. And this is an analogy that I told Vera the other day because it kind of came to me at the time and I think it works pretty well. When is it better to plan for the war? When you're right in the middle of it or before you ever go to battle? My point here, well, let me, let me explain it this way. Think about a team of Navy SEALs and they have a mission to do. When do you think they plan out their mission? As soon as they're at the place where the mission is about to take place? So, for example, the, the raid on o Osama bin Laden's compound. Do you think that they just got news that, Os that they found Osama bin Laden, some, some informant, some whistleblower, whatever, some person said, hey, I know where Osama is and here's where he's at. And they said, oh, okay, we're just going to get a group of guys. Hey, guys, we've got, a, we've got a mission for you. Okay, what is it? Well, we can't tell you. Okay, but we're going to load you into the plane and you're going to jump out or however you're going to get there and then you guys are going to figure it out there. What are we doing? No, we can't tell you. Okay. Um, okay. So they drop them off and there you go. All right, so what are we doing now? You're getting a bad guy. Uh, that's, that's all we can tell you. Okay, what does the bad guy look like? Well, he looks like a bad guy. Okay. Well, that doesn't work. No. There was years of planning and coordinating that went to even finding where Osama was. And then once they did, I don't know how many months ahead of time they knew. I don't, know, I don't imagine that it was some rush job that they found out where he was and then two hours later they're, they're sending people off. Maybe it was that quick, but I really don't think so. I'd imagine it was many, many weeks, certainly many days in the making planning all the logistics and how are these people going to go there and what's the escape route like and how do we get in and then how do we get out and what weapons are we bringing and what gear do we have and who's flying the plane and who's on the boats and this and, and the radio and just probably hundreds of people involved and millions of moving pieces, and I, I mean that literally, I mean from all of the, the components that the weapons and the gear and the planes and just all of the things, the laws that have to be checked and the lawyers and the da-da-da-da-da-da-da, just an endless list of things that have to be all just so for this to go right. All of that's done before they ever get there not in the middle of it. Yes, there is some spur of the moment in the midst of the action planning that takes place, certainly, but the you try to get all of your planning ahead of time out of the way. Same is true when you're building a house. You don't build the house as you're figuring it out. No, you have a, a blueprint. You've got a plan, and okay, we're going to put it here. You don't just go, all right, I'm just going to go to Home Depot and Dunlumber and then Limback Lumber and buy a lot of wood and then put it together. I don't, what are you doing with it? I don't know yet, but it's something that I'm building. No, no. You go with a plan. So... 
Before you're in a depressive state, you anticipate being in a depressive state. So this is something that I've done and do is I go, I tell myself, and I have told myself, there's a really good chance that at some point in the future, I'm going to feel like dog shit. I'm going to feel down on myself. I'm going to have a bad day. I'm going to have a bad couple of days, whatever it is. I'm going to be in a depressed state. I know that day is coming. The chances that it doesn't ever come again, that I just have all good days from here on out until the day that I die, seems really low. Seems like a much better chance that somewhere between right now and the day that I die, that I'm going to have at least one crummy day. So I need to have a plan for that crummy day. And that plan is, well, whatever works for you. But here are some options. You could say, when that crummy day comes, I'm going to refer back to this recording that I made of myself. My wife has done this. She made some recordings of herself talking and saying, hey, you're in a bad mood right now. That's why you're watching this. Kind of like maybe you've seen in some movies or whatever. Like, hey, if, you, if you're watching this, it means that you've gone back in time or whatever. But same kind of idea. Hey, if you're watching this, Dell, it means that you're in a crappy mood. And you told yourself that you were going to watch this when you're in a crappy mood. So here you are in a crappy mood, and now you're watching me. And now here's what you're going to do, because you aren't going to listen to anyone but yourself. So here I am telling you what to do. Step one is whatever it is. Uh, for me, my step one is to get out of the situation that I'm currently in. So if I'm, I'm in the house and I'm feeling bad in there, I get out of the house, I go outside, it's really good if it's a sunny day. Like right now, it's nice and bright and sunny out. If you can go on a walk on a sunny day, that's great. If you're in a depressed state and you're in the midst of a Seattle winter, good luck. That's going to be rough. It's it's going to suck. It, it's just the, the weather is not conducive to getting out of that garbage state of mind. It can be done, certainly, but it's much harder than when it's a nice, warm, just glorious, sunny day out there. Let's say you are in a situation where it's not a nice sunny day. It's just overcast, it's drizzly, it feels blue, it feels miserable, and you feel miserable, and so the weather and your mood are just big old buds. What do you do? I still recommend you get outside and you start talking. This trick has worked for me, and I've recommended it to people on these podcasts time and time again. I've recommended it to my wife and I think it is something that has helped her. It's something that helps me so much and has helped me so much that I, I don't really even have to think about doing it anymore. It just automatically happens and it gets me out of my head. And what that thing is, is start to name the things around you. So I mean really, really obvious things that are just, that an absolute dummy could figure out. This is a coffee cup, and then you state something, and then you ask a question, and then you move on. This is a coffee cup. Where did I get it? It was it was a gift from a friend in Michigan. And what is this? This is a the D and D player's handbook. What is that used for? It's used for learning how to play Dungeons and Dragons. What's on it? A, a pen. What do you use that for? Um, you use it for writing. And what it, what are these things all on? On a table. Where'd you get the table? I didn't really get the table. It was just with the apartment. Okay. What are you talking into right now? A mic. Where'd you get the mic? 
got it off of Craigslist. Did you? Well, I didn't get it. My wife got it. Okay. What was that transaction like? I, I don't know. My wife said it was fine. She said the guy seemed like it was an up and up fellow. It didn't seem like it was stolen property or anything like that. So that's all good. You just do that and you just keep on going with it. Now I know that if you're in a depressed state, you might not want to do that, which is why you refer back to the game plan that you made before you were in the depressed state, which is tell yourself to do something as simple as start naming the things around you. What is this? It's, it's a shelf. What color is it? It's brown. It's varying shades of, of faux wood brown. What's on it? A, a brown wallet. What's next to that? A blue harmonica case. What's next to that? A, an orange notepad book. What, and what do you use that for? I use it for writing notes. It's got a lot of internet passwords in it. Okay? You just do that and you just go and go and go. And you'll get kind of annoyed with how simple and lame this is. So once you can, you're outside of yourself and you're going, why am I doing this? This is so dumb. Then that's the perfect time to go, so what are you feeling right now? So you, you, you get away from the tangible, concrete things that are right in front of you and then you get a little bit more abstract. You don't start with the abstract. It's too complicated. It's way too hard to do that. You just, you make things as simple and easy and right in front of you as you possibly can. As you possibly can. And, and you don't do it in regards to yourself, not what is this? Oh, it's my hand. What do I use my hand for? No, 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 no. It has to be out beyond yourself. So what is this? Oh, it's a play mat. What do you mean a play mat? Well, it's a, it's a mat. It's like a giant mouse pad that is used for keeping your cards safe so you don't put it directly on cruddy tables and, and it helps with your card sleeves so you can turn them and move them around and you can play with them better. Okay, so you're getting outside of yourself. This works great if you're on a walk and you're going on a walk and you go, what is that? It's a tree. What kind of tree? I, I don't know what kind of tree. What's in the tree? Uh, I mean, I, I thought I saw a bird, but I don't see it now. Okay, what's that over there? It's a car. What brand of car? Um, you know, I can't tell, but I think it was a Honda. Just things like that. You just go and you just go and you go until you get kind of annoyed with doing how silly this thing is. And then you go, so what are you feeling right now? Well, I'm feeling like crap. Why? I don't know why. Well, when did it start? Um, honestly, I think I've been kind of feeling this way for the last week, but I guess I didn't really notice it until just this morning when when I got that message from my friend and he asked if I wanted to go out and usually I do and, and this time I said no and I just, I don't know, that kind of struck me as odd because every time he's asked me before I've, I've said yeah and I, I don't know, I, I, yeah, I, I guess it's been a little while now but, but certainly in the past 24, 48 hours I've been feeling really miserable and do you know what started it? Uh, geez, I, I don't know. Okay, well, you said it's been going on for a week. Has it been going on longer? Mm, no, I don't think so. Okay, so what happened about a week ago? Uh, geez, well, I did get a flat tire, and so that was obnoxious, and I had to pay to get that replaced because I, I, yeah, I had to, so... Oh, yeah, and I, I guess in that, that brought my bank account down to only $4 because I had to pay for that. And so I had basically no money until this paycheck that I got yesterday. And did you feel good about getting the paycheck? Not, I mean, yeah, but not really because I have to pay bills with this one. So I can't really do anything with it. Um, 
and then I was wondering why at 20-odd, whatever, 30-odd, 40-odd, 80-odd years old, do I make so little money? And then I remembered, oh, it's because I decided that college just wasn't for me and whatever. You start to unravel this tangle that's been building up in, in your head. I haven't gotten in a depressed state for a while. I think I was having a cruddy mood. I, I get these cruddy moods about once every six months and it just lasts for a day and it just kind of is. I seemingly can't snap out of it. It's just sort of kind of my planned crappy day once every six to eight months and it just, it's not that I plan to have it, I just know that it's gonna happen and so I just deal with it and then it fades. It's, it's like a really crummy cloud just comes over dumps on my head for 12 to 24 hours and then moves on and then I'm it's like it never even happened and I don't really get it but it it's kind of been a thing I don't remember it really happening much on our whole trip that we were gone it's, it wasn't really a trip it was when we were just gone from Seattle I guess it was kind of a trip now that we're back but whatever um, and I think that's partly because there was just so much that was constantly happening there was moving and finding this place and then trying to find a new job. It was just every day where there was something happening. And then for the last, gee, uh, year-ish that we were in Michigan and Royal Oak, it, we had a weekly thing that we were doing of going to play Magic. I mean, we definitely did that more weeks than not. And many weeks it was a two two day a week thing that we would go on Saturday Friday and Saturday right didn't Friday we Friday was draft yeah we would we would draft and then stand oh and then they did a Thursday thing so we were going Thursday sometimes Friday and Saturday yeah so we were the the later half of the week was just magic 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 and so we just had all this stuff to do and then we were talking about decks and building decks and working on decks and yeah, it was good times um so there's always something to happen, or always something going on. So if you are depressed, I, 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 I'm, that's, that's a bummer, but there's probably a day in the future where, you're, where you will be less depressed than you are now. Take advantage of the, the sunny days, and I mean that in a, an emotional kind of, intangible sense, I don't necessarily mean actual sunny day, to plan for the time that you are probably going to be depressed in the future. Come up with some sort of game plan. Whatever you think will help you. I, I don't know. Uh, I gave you my tip of naming things and, and asking, what is this? Oh, it's a pin and doing that whole exercise, which I've talked about many times. But Maybe for you, it's, oh, I just need to go on a run. If, uh, if, I, if I start sweating, my, my wife was saying something that's really good for her is she just tries to wear herself out by doing like physical exertion things, maybe sprinting up hills or lifting kettlebells or, I mean, you, you can do anything just with body weights. You could just start sprinting. You could start just squatting until your legs basically give out and or or push-ups or or pull-ups i mean there's you don't need weights to do things to wear yourself out you can do all kinds of stuff that just gets tiring i mean you just go on a 20-hour walk i suppose i mean probably probably not but i suppose you could uh and unless you're some sort of crazy distance marathon runner already 
you probably aren't going to last that long just running. So you could just do that. That'll wear you out real quick. Um, so doing something physical, that's definitely good advice. But for me, I have to get out of my head. And the way that I do that is that trick that I said of naming the things around me, asking questions. And then I'm, it's like there's two people. There's the crappy, depressed version of me. And then there's the person that's having this conversation and asking the depressed person what the heck's going on. And that works for me. But coming up with a game plan when you're not depressed, I would be my, my first tip. And then if you, if you are depressed, try the thing that I suggested to you. Try, try the naming things. But, I mean, if you're really depressed, you're just going to go, ah, that's cool. I'm not going to do that. And I don't want to do that. And if you are in that state, then uh, good luck because it, it's... I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what to tell you. There's really, yeah. Vera wants to make a suggestion. I would argue um, that if you are in a depressed state, resetting your nervous system might help. And how you would do that? <laughs> Sounds like some <laughs> new age. Get your crystals. You're gonna need some crystals and incense for this. No, it's a little more practical than that. There are two ways so. that come to mind. One is taking an ice cold shower oh. and breathing as deep as you can while you're doing that to the point where you feel like you can stay there and keep staying there and mm -hmm. you're not really going to change any more than you already have, but you kind of be, have become comfortable, if that makes sense. And it is possible. Yeah. And the other way is, oh, and just a note, sorry, about the shower is to make sure that you get your neck in there. And I found that getting my armpits mm -hmm. with the water, the ice cold water also helps a lot, helps me adjust. The other way that I can think of is using a breathing technique that Wim Hof, Hof created. W-I-M space H-O-F. You can just search Wim Hof breathing technique on yeah. YouTube or just on the internet. Yeah, and he's also known as the Iceman. He's, but a, he's crazy. He's, he's crazy, but his breathing technique has helped me with anxiety attacks definitely but helped me kind of level myself out and come back to neutral when I've been in a non-neutral state so those are the two suggestions that I have because I think that your physical and your mental are connected and by changing your physical you can also help change your mental state yeah That's it. as far as anxiety goes which I guess is a they're kind of, it, anxiety and depression are real good friends. I don't know which leads to the other. I'd say anxiety could lead to depression. Mean, I guess it can go either way. But they are definitely different from each other, but they're both unpleasant emotional states that people don't really want. I have started to think of emotional states as, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I've started to think of emotional states as disembodied entities. And if you're going, what in the heck are you talking about? That sounds like straight up nonsense. It probably is, but think about this real quick. Where do numbers exist? Where do shapes exist? I mean, I can draw a shape and that's not what I'm talking about. And, and, I'm, and I can write a number down or I can count and I can verbalize these things. I can articulate them. I can say triangle and you can picture that in your head. But where is the triangle? Where is a, sh a square? Where are these abstract things? I don't know. I don't have a good question for that. It's, it's, a, 
it's a philosophical conundrum that people have dealt with for a long time and they've asked and there's no real good answer to it because they they already exist the stories that i write they already are i'm just bringing them through from where the fuck they exist into a form that other people can I'd like to think appreciate in some cases appreciate in some cases maybe detest but I'm bringing it to a form that other people can experience I told a coworker the other day that I had told my wife some time ago that I don't really feel like an author that doesn't feel like the right word for what I do I feel more like a prophet because I just feel like this portal where things come through and I feel as though that's exactly why me being a portal is why I feel better when I write because the portal kind of gets gummed up and clogged up if I don't write and so I need to keep this constant flow of stuff happening. Your arteries are in better shape when there's blood cleanly flowing through them as opposed to being all gummed up. Your sink flows better when it's cleaned out and, and there's not a bunch of hair and gunk and nastiness all gobbed up in there. I just cleaned out the the hair catch sink drain thing in our not sink but bathroom drain and there's a big old gob of nasty hair and soap scum and bits of lord knows what probably boogers and ugh, I mean it was absolutely foul big old gob of it on the end of this little saw kind of snake that you run down there and pull back it's kind of the barbs on it I mean it was utterly disgusting but if that's in my system, because I haven't written, then the best thing to do is to send some stuff through, start, start, open up the valve and start letting it through again. What does this have to do with disembodied entities that are emotional states? Well, I wrote something one time and as soon as I wrote it, I thought, wow, that's kind of neat. I, I wonder if there's any truth to that. And it's that these entities, these emotional states, they just want attention. They just want to be paid attention to. And the thing that most people do, I think, is they try to avoid their depression. They try to get out of their depression as opposed to turning around and facing it and embracing it and just diving straight in. And that is what helped me beat anxiety. I still get anxiety attacks, I guess, but I beat them really fast. I mean... I'd say there's less nights than there used to be, but most of my nights in the past, say oh, five years and beyond, would involve me thinking about death, and I would just get this heavy feeling like just a giant monster's paw just pushing me into my bed, and I just felt gravity swallowing me up, and it was awful, and I had to do something like get up and play a video game or something just to escape this feeling. I had to run away from it. And that would work for a time, and once I ran far enough away, then the monster was lurking in the background just waiting for another time that I was wait, laying in bed for it to creep up on me again. But I finally, I don't know what it was, but I finally turned around and looked the damn monster in the face and went, oh, you're not all that scary. I mean, on the one hand, you were utterly terrifying, but at the same time, my recognition of that makes you not scary. And so anytime I feel anxiety now, which is still a relatively regular basis, I just face it, go, yeah, let's do this. What? What do you got? Come on. Is that it? 
I, and I, I'm not, it's not in an angry kind of way like that. It's just, here we are. It, let's, what, what else? What now? And there isn't any what else. There is no more what now. It's, that's just, that's it. And as soon as I recognize that and I pay it the attention that it wants, it kind of goes, oh, yeah, I just wanted you to recognize me. Thanks. And then it kind of waves and then takes off again. I'm like, okay, cool, bye. And it's the same thing as with depression. Is when I start feeling depressed, I go, this is depression. This is what I'm feeling. It's acknowledgement. It's facing that thing. This tactic is, it's a, it's a well-known Buddhist thing, I think, I, I think, and I didn't realize that until I, a lot of these things that I, I figured out on my own in this really ass-backwards way, I'll come to find out that other people have known for thousands of years or, or hundreds of years, and, and it's, has some name in, in Tibetan this or that, and I go, oh, okay, well, I, cool, I, I kind of figured it out on my own. And sometimes it's not on my own. Sometimes I read a book and then pieces come together. But the point here is that facing these issues are oftentimes exactly what these things want. These disembodied entities that are emotional states, wherever they live, when they're not feeding on you, is somewhere probably with the shapes and numbers. I don't know. I don't know where they're all hanging out. But wherever that is... They want our, They want us to remember that they're there, and I really I know that I'm speaking as though these things are have personalities, and I, in a way, I, I kind of think that they do because they're not always the same. Anxiety and depression it takes different forms, and when you go and talk to your friend, are they always the same? No, I mean they're more or less the same, but they're they are different. Anxiety is more or less the same, but it is different depression, anger, all of these things that they, they, it, you know, basically what to expect, but they take on different characteristics and, and they do morph and, and change. So cold showers, physical exertion, doing something, naming the stuff that's in front of you, asking yourself questions. These are all little tips and tricks. And I hope that if you are feeling depressed, that some sequence of words that I've said in all of this or something that my wife said actually helped you. I would be highly suspicious of my ability to assist anyone besides myself, because even that is mediocre at best. But I'll take mediocre over garbage, which is what I've been dealing with for a long time. So, yeah, mediocre is better than garbage. Let's end on that. I love you. Bye.